to be with you. We are nearly finished in our journey through Exodus. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have. The last few chapters are all around the building and commissioning of the tabernacle. And today we're going to be mainly in chapter 35, where the offering is taken up for the resources for the building of the tabernacle. I want to keep it really simple what we're talking about today, and that is kingdom generosity, that God has called us as his people to be marked out with a kingdom generosity. And I know that this can make many of us feel nervous at times, but talking about generosity and finance and giving of ourselves, it shouldn't make us nervous at all. And so as we dig into this passage, I guess my hope is for us that even in this moment, God births a new perspective and desire for us as his people, for us as Gateway Church to be outrageously generous in the days ahead, that as a community we have a new experience and expectancy for generosity. Because God is doing a new thing in this moment that we are living in. And also because God calls his people to live lives marked out by outrageous generosity in every area of life. And I am convinced that followers of Jesus uh, who, who have encountered the grace and generosity of God, are they themselves marked out by a desire to grow in generosity? And if you don't have a heart for generosity and you, you call yourself a follower of Jesus, I really want to encourage you just to examine, well, what is the substance of my faith then? Because I don't think you can be a follower of Jesus and not want to grow in generosity. But let me just say this right out um, from the start. I'm not talking this morning about the how much. That is not the question in this uh, passage at all. It's not the how much question. In fact, that's not what God is after. Because all the way through Exodus, I hope you've seen that what God is after is he's after dwelling with his people. He's after the hearts of his people over and over again. We've seen that God is after your heart. So we're going to jump into Exodus 35. We're not going to read through all of it, um, but please do read 35 and 36 in your own time this week. Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, these are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days, work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a day of Sabbath rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it is to be put to death. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring the Lord an offering. Verse 10, all who are skilled among you are also to come and make everything the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle with its tent and all the furnishing and items and so on and so forth. Verse 20, then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence and everyone who was willing and whose hearts moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds. Let's just jump to the start of chapter 36. So, Bezalel, Ahoyalab, 
and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord commanded. Amen. Before we get talking about kingdom generosity, I think we are to notice here the, the change in God's people. This is, this is in Israel's history, this is one of those standout moments where they absolutely nailed faithful obedience to God in their response at this moment of this offering being taken up. Right through their history, they got it wrong over and over again. Even just we saw that a few chapters back as Moses was up a mountain uh, for a bit too long in their eyes. So they brought their gold and made the, the golden calf as an idol in place of worship. Well, here we say they absolutely got it right. And if you just contrast Israel in this moment with the Israel we encountered at the beginning of Exodus back in chapter 20, back in chapter one, the change is staggering. In, in chapter one, for 430 years, Israel had been in slavery in Egypt under Pharaoh, building the glory of Egypt and Pharaoh. But they were crying out to God, God, deliver us, rescue us, save us from slavery, save us from death here in Egypt. And, and the story we've seen through Exodus is precisely that story as God indeed delivers them from Egypt. He makes a way for them to, to be led out from captivity. He spared them from the angel of death that came uh, on the night of Passover. He gave them his holy law again and again in the desert. He provided for their needs. And, and all through the book of Exodus, we witness God's promises and his protection and his provision for his people. I hope you've, you've just seen right through the whole story how we've seen God's faithfulness to his people. And I don't know if you remember back in the middle of the book of Exodus, chapter 19, there's this interlude moment as God says to his people, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and I brought you to myself. I think we're meant to, in this moment, see the faithfulness of God to his people as the means to which they respond in the way that they do to God. They, they didn't have a small vision of God at this moment. God was filling their vision. Wow, what a generous God. What a faithful God. What a God who keeps his promises. What a God who provides and meets our need. What a God who protects us from our enemy. And so in this moment of the offering being taken up, we see Israel respond in just a stunning way, a stunning, obedient way that brings glory to God. If you, if you remember back in Exodus chapter 12, as they were leaving Egypt, the Egyptians were desperate to get rid of them. They were fearful that they would all die if Israel was to remain in the land. And at that moment, as they were leaving as slaves, they had empty pockets. There was nothing of any worldly wealth that was theirs by any means. As slaves, you don't have wealth of your own. But I hope you remember that Moses instructed the Israelites to ask the Egyptians, uh, verse 33, uh, 35, of Exodus 12, ask them for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. And the Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people, and they gave them what they asked for, and so they plundered the Egyptians. The, the story of Exodus 
is one where we see the faithfulness of God. We see the covenant-keeping faithfulness of God. And this is why the guys in, in Israel were motivated to give in the way that they did, because they encountered the incredible, the unbelievable grace and generosity of God. So God comes to the Israelites at this moment, chapter 35, and says, hey guys, time to, time to give into this offering. Time to give to, to establish a dwelling place, a dwelling sanctuary of my presence in your midst. It's unbelievable what God invites us to be a part of as his people, to create a dwelling place for God on the face of the earth, that we get to, sh to see and show the glory and splendor of God's kingdom through our lives as his church. It's unbelievable what God invites us to be a part of, because what he invites us to be a part of is something that is just stunning and beautiful, that we are invited into his kingdom. And the fact that God would ask anything of us at all is crazy, because the psalmist tells us that the, the, the whole earth, that everything is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all the people belong to God. Everything is his. It's not that he needs anything from us, yet God comes to, the, to Israel in this moment and says, I want you guys to give. I want you guys to respond. You see, God didn't need any of their stuff to build a tabernacle, to see a tabernacle established, a dwelling place of God in their midst. He could have just as easily opened the heavens and down from the sky comes the most outstanding tabernacle that, that anybody had ever seen and just lowers onto the ground. This is where I'm going to dwell. And if he had done it that way, every jaw would have dropped open and hit the floor. And wow, look, at, look what God's brought. He's in our midst. But that's not how God did it. He, he could have done it that way, but that's not how he chooses to do it. God invites us as his people. God invites Israel as his people to join in with what he is doing in the world. I want you to think about it like this, that God invited Israel in this moment to, to step into his story and his mission. Not just to stand, If you just imagine Joe Bloggs on the edge of the camp of Israel, standing from a distance, observing Moses going up and down the mountain, hearing about the plans for a tabernacle, and just seeing from a distance all this stuff happening, and, and then thinking, well, it's great, but then God comes to you and says, hey, Joe Bloggs, I want, I want you to be involved in this, if you want to. If your heart would move you and if there's willingness in your heart, you can be a part of this. And then imagine Joe Bloggs, every moment of Israel's story as they packed the tabernacle down, moved on, took new land and then uh, re-erected the tabernacle. He, Joe Bloggs is saying, wow, God, you involved me in this. I'm not just watching what's happening. God, you've, you've involved me in your story and seeing your glory spread out and fill the earth. I, I think for many of us, we, we, we go to church on a Sunday in this building I'm in right now, and we feel a bit like Joe Bloggs, just in our row, just standing at a distance, watching what's going on. That's not what God has called us to. God hasn't called us just to watch what he's doing. He's called us to get involved in seeing his kingdom come, in seeing his temple, the church, no longer a, a tent in the middle of a desert, but his church, a living temple, you and I, a dwelling place of his spirit, to, to be activated, to see his kingdom come wherever we are. 
You see, God doesn't just appear in Swindon and, and make all the social ills of Swindon magically better somehow. I mean, he could do that if he chose to. He could come and bind up the brokenhearted and, and set the captives free. He could give sight to the blind. He could, um, he, could, he could give to the poor beyond their wildest dreams. God could totally do it that way, supernaturally, by himself, if he chose to. He could do that, but he chooses not to. In fact, what he chooses to do is to work through the lives of ordinary men and women like you and I, through our generosity, he says, I want to, I want to, I'm about this thing in Swindon. I'm about this thing in the nations of the world. Hey, do you want to come and get involved? Do you want to come and give yourself and get involved? And the invitation goes to you today and says, hey, do you want to give yourself to what God's about? He's not about you just rocking up on a Sunday to church. That's not what God is about. He, he wants to, he wants to turn up in your workplace through you. He wants to turn up in your family life through you. He wants to turn up in your relationships, in your, in your leisure activity. He wants to turn up through you as you say, God, I'm here for you. You see, it's our generosity, our kingdom generosity that writes us into the story of God. It's not just the church that's generous. People who don't follow Jesus can be generous and have outstanding generosity, but it's those that who, whose generosity is motivated through the generosity of God who who are written into the story of God. You see, our generosity frees us from greed and selfishness. Israel wasn't saved from slavery and death in Egypt just to be rescued from that place. No, they were saved to be worshippers of God. They were saved to be the people marked out with the presence of God. They were saved to be a light to the nations of the world. And so too, you and I as the church of Jesus, we're not saved just for the Sunday thing. We're freed to worship God. We're freed to be God's people, free to live lives marked out with kingdom generosity for his glory. In this passage, there are four aspects to kingdom generosity we see that I just want us to know really quickly. The first is this, is that we give our time, not just in the sense of, um, okay, God, I'll give you a bit of time, but we prioritize God in our very being. It's interesting that at the start of chapter 35, even before the offering is taken up, even before the tabernacle is about to be built and crafted, even before Israel in, in the days ahead is to move on and inherit the land that God gives them, even before they start to farm the land, settle down, have families, um, find a husband and a wife and, and take care of their own needs, God says, hey, God first. Remember the Sabbath. God first. Before you go off and get busy, God first. I'll, I'm not going to talk about that anymore. I'll preach a great message on Sabbath just recently, but that is what we give to God. Is first of all, we come and we bring ourselves to God. We say, God, you first in my life. You first. God, be glorified in my life. And then we give of our treasure. We see that here, don't we? We say, bring gold and stones and silver and, and precious materials. We give of everything we have. And the reason we do that is we understand as the people of God that Everything I am and all that I have simply belongs to God anyway. And I am just stewarding it on his behalf to bring glory to him. What motivated the Israelites in this moment to give in such a stunning way was that they knew they had nothing. They, they had just been in slavery with, like I said, nothing 
in their pockets. And yet now they have full pockets. Wow, God, you really have given us everything. You provided food in the desert. God, I just want to give back to you. I want to acknowledge your sovereign grace. I want to acknowledge your generosity in my life and say, you are so worthy. I love to give back to you. It was their encounter with the living God that motivated their giving to the point that in Exodus 36, Moses had to make a halt. He, he, he said, right, that's it. We've got more than enough. Stop giving stuff. Stop giving us your gold. We don't want any more. The people had to be restrained from bringing more. And, and we're told this because what they had already was more than enough to do the work. I think sometimes in church we could think, well, if somebody who is really wealthy walked through the doors, imagine what we could do. Listen, God does not need that to do all the work that he has called us to do. All he is looking for to do the work that he has called us to do is that you and I respond with incredible generosity of life and finance and time and talent and, and so on and so forth. There is more than enough among us to do the work that God has called us to do. That doesn't mean there aren't points in the journey where we say, guys, we're going to take up a special offering for this or that or to give some money here and finance there. But, but no, there is more than enough. The question is not a how much issue. As I said, the question is a heart issue. So we give our time, we give our treasure, and then we give our talents. And we see in this moment that uh, as they were called, anybody with artistic skill, anybody with craft, creativity skills who can come and help build the tabernacle, well, come and do that. It's another way of giving of yourself to this. It's important to recognize that every Christian, everyone who is a follower of Jesus has been given gifts from the Holy Spirit for precisely this purpose, to build up the body of Jesus Christ. Back in the day of Moses, it was a tent in the middle of a desert. That was God's dwelling place. But now today in Christ, it's his church, the people of God, not the building, but the people of God, living stones, a temple, a living temple, a dwelling place of God. And we're to use our skills and gifts as his church to encourage and build up and strengthen one another. Sure, on a Sunday morning as we gather together, but on Monday mornings, on Tuesdays, on Wednesdays, Fridays, whatever, we're to use the gifts that God has given us wherever we are, whatever context we're in, as his church, as his dwelling place, to see his glory come through our lives into the places that we live. So I was thinking about this. I was thinking, we read that God enabled um, through his spirit them with skills and craft. But I was just thinking about to, to build the temple, but I was thinking about where did they learn some of it? Well, back in Egypt, they were building temples and incredible structures and pyramids and, and all the incredible um, artifacts that went into them. And they had, they had been building all of that stuff for the glory of um, Egypt, for the glory of Pharaoh. And as God brought them to themselves, I, I imagine that God says, those skills and talents that, you've, that I've given to you, even in that place, I'm not going to breathe on them. Now that I've brought you to myself, I'm going to breathe my spirit upon them and I'm going to redeem them for my glory, that you could build me a temple, the, the, the most incredible place on the whole earth. Forget the pyramids. This tabernacle is going to be my dwelling place on the face of the earth. And I want you to use skills that I have given you to see that come into being. I just want to, I want to tell you that wherever you are working, whatever you're doing with your time at the moment, that God has placed you there as a conduit of his kingdom. 
that you could glorify God wherever you are, whatever you're doing. So you're not just pushing spreadsheets and numbers around on a spreadsheet, bored out of your mind. You're in your workplace to be there as a generous kingdom conduit in your workplace, being a blessing to your workplace, demonstrating the kingdom of God, the glory of God in your workplace, bringing the hope and the message of hope and protection and provision and promise of God in your workplace or into your family or, or your marriage or into your friendships. We are, we, God calls us to give ourselves, our talents, our time, our skills to be a conduit of his kingdom because that's how he chooses to work. And then finally, we see that kingdom generosity comes from having a willing heart. Kingdom generosity flows from knowing God and desiring him. Kingdom generosity, it flows from having an incredible encounter and vision of God. Wow, God, you're sovereign over the affairs of the world. God, you're sovereign over this moment. It it comes from crying out to God. God, look at what's going on right now. But you, oh God, can save. You, oh God, can rescue. You, oh God, can redeem. It comes from having a big vision of God that motivates and frees us to worship him, frees us to live lives of generosity. God doesn't just save us from sin. He doesn't just save Israel from slavery. He doesn't just save them and us from death. He saves us for worship, to glorify him, to magnify him. Kingdom generosity flows from knowing that I am a recipient and that you are a recipient of God's outrageous generosity, of God's incredible grace upon our lives. Willing hearts are hearts that are, that are just generous to God in response to his grace. It's not the how much question. That is not a willing heart. A willing heart is one that says, God, your generosity in my life, God, I, I want to reflect that to you and to the world around me. You see, giving is not a God tax. I think that many of us think of giving as a God tax so often. We don't talk about it like that, but I think often our motive can be like that. Well, I better pay the fee. I better pay the Jew to be a part of this. No, if that's your way of thinking, you're free not to give. You are free to not give. That is not what God is looking for. God is looking for a willing heart. The Apostle Paul in to the Corinthians, he said this, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, everyone must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We, we get to give to God. We get to give to him, not to get something, but because of a response of our heart to the generosity of God, to his grace in our lives. But listen to this, that as we give, God is glorified and he blesses us in return. And I think sometimes we're so afraid of saying, well, God blesses you as you live a life of generosity. We're we're afraid of the prosperity gospel. But listen to the words of Jesus here. These aren't my words. These are Jesus' words here in Luke 6. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap for the measure which you use, it will be measured to you. In Malachi, a completely different situation, but we read this. Uh, God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this, God says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing 
that you will not have room enough for it. I think that I think the principle of kingdom generosity in the Bible is simply this that God is looking for hearts to respond to him. God is looking for men and women who have themselves encountered the generosity of our God in their own lives. That he has led me out from slavery. That he has provided for me in my desert wilderness moments. That he protects me. That he will meet every need for me. That his promises are yes and amen in my life because of Christ Jesus. And that God is faithful. And I'm convinced that kingdom generosity stems not because we we make each other feel guilt and we put our arm behind our back and say look guys it's time to give but because our view our vision is encompassed by a great God the sovereignty the might of God the God who saves and rescues and redeems and our hearts are in awe that he would think of us that he would invite us into his stories not just to stand from a distance and wait till one day one day when we're in new heavens and new earth with God then, then I can begin to be about something. No, God invites us into his story now and says, hey, I'm about a great thing here. My kingdom come. I want, I want my temple to not only just be these days a, a tent in the desert, but I want my temple to fill the whole earth with my glory. Hey, do you want to give into that? Do you want to give yourself to that? Do you want to give of your stuff and your finance and your time and your skills and your service and your family? Do you want to give to your neighbors and those in need? Do you, want to, do you want to fight against the greed in your hearts and selfishness and fear? Well, God says, then, then exhibit generosity in your life. And that's the motive for generosity. The motive for generosity, for kingdom generosity, is that our God is outrageously generous. So much so that he gave his only son, even to death upon a cross that whoever believes in him might have their debt paid through the death and blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's a God who gives us everything along with Christ. We inherit all things along with Jesus. He withholds nothing good from us because he is an overwhelmingly generous God. I want to invite us to be a community who love the generosity of God. I want, to, I want us to be a community who love to exhibit the generosity of God, not just receive it in our own lives, but to, to, to bless one another, to bless our town with the same kind of generosity that, that, that is that of our God. I love, this, I love the, the moment when we said, look, with the COVID crisis, we're going to take up a, a free will offering to meet need as people are going to have financial challenges in the days ahead. I love that we raised almost 17,000 pounds or so and in that moment, just that love for one another to say, I want to meet others' needs. I want to be ready. I don't want to wait till the need comes. I want to do it in advance, ready, that we can bless one another as a community, that we can care for one another. I love that generosity that's in us as God's people for many, many years. But I really believe that if we want to step into this new era, if we want to inhabit the future space that God has got for us, I want to, I want to ask us to unlock generosity in our lives for all of us. I want us to be a people who, 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 again, radically examine our hearts. Hey, God, is my heart willing? Do you, is my heart moved to, to be one who gives to you, who gives away, who, who trusts you for everything? Not, not, not relying on myself for security and safety, but giving myself to you, God. 
And so I just want to invite us to that in these days, that in doing so, our lives would be shaken up. We wouldn't just simply be bystanders in church on a Sunday watching what's going on, but we would know we are caught up into God's story. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right through the week, God invites us to step into his story. So I want to challenge you with that this week, that you would look for opportunities, that you would examine your heart with generosity. You would look for opportunities to respond where need is, that you would be one who learns and says, God, help me grow in this. Help me to grow in the grace of generosity. So I bless you this morning. Take care. See you soon.